Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Kayla Daly. Kayla, who uses she, her pronouns, is a cisgender female that has drastically changed her life and the life of her family in the pursuit of purpose and passion-filled life. She is a wife, a mother of two, living on 14 acres of property in a former ICE prison bus turned tiny home. She volunteers as the administrative assistant for Black Nomads Meetup, an organization focused on providing support and inclusion for POC in the nomadic community. As she and her husband cultivate their land for future crops, she works from the bus as a service manager and sales associate for Sunny Lunarduzzi, who is a YouTube strategist and business coach that encourages others to share their stories, create connections, and live the life you want. Kayla has recently started speaking more about her struggles with feeling stuck in life after leaving her conservative religion and determining how to move forward positively in life without the structure of religion. Hi, Kayla. Hi. <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, oh, I'm loving these teacups. Oh, thank you. The coffee mug wall. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. I feel like this has been a long time coming. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when we first met. I feel like it was oh, forever ago. Let me tell you. Let please, me tell you because I remember do. it very clearly. It was the weirdest experience because we were both uh, doing a photo shoot for a photographer who was doing an, af- an Afro collection. <gasps> That's right. And- I so the it was I told my husband mm-hmm. when I got home I was like so the weirdest thing happened I'm at this place to do a photo shoot like the entire setup is for this photo shoot and yet I feel like I was meant to meet this woman that I met there like I felt like the whole thing and I even told him what's so funny I even told him I said I felt bad because I almost got irritated with her partner because I was like look this whole moment the universe has created and I feel like you're just you're not understanding I need to talk to her solo it's so funny but yeah I remember it because you just have this way of listening like I get very antsy when I meet people so I'm constantly like talking and 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 just getting really excited and you had such a calm presence that it almost like it snapped me out of it I was like oh okay remember to breathe like she looks so calm be calm so I totally remember when we first met and it was, it was pretty awesome. And then we went to get drinks over at, I don't even remember where that was. Um, it was in St. Elmo. It was spokesman. Spoke, yeah. So we went there and chatted and caught up and uh, now we are here. Here we are. So much. What was that? Like a year ago? That was over a year ago. Cause I'm no longer with that partner. So that was 2019. So oh yeah that's almost been two years yeah that was that was 2019 it's uh, now that you're now that I remember where you met yes and it's it's funny people often say I mean I was a social worker for a long time Mm -hmm. it's like I'm just really good at active listening and everyone's always like you're just so calm and you just make everyone feel like they've known you for years I'm like it's the secret secret to all of my success (laughs) I saw it in action and so now I am a believer of active listening for sure because there is a difference between when I speak to someone who I know they're listening it's not like they're disengaged or anything but there's definitely an, a level up and uh that's that's what happened when we first met so I was like I need to get to know her 
<laughs> immediately. Well, it's also funny because like I feel like I've never met a stranger. Like that's how I am with mm. a lot of people. I'm like, let's yeah. I I don't believe in like this hierarchy of like, well, I don't know you. And I'm like the queen of following up, right? Like okay. like I want to grab a coffee. I'm like, okay, when? Like what day works for you? Like it's yes. like, yeah, we'll do it eventually. I'm like, no, when and where, what time works for you? Date, like time. Yeah, I need a strong like I tell people I'm the worst millennial ever. I like, I live by my calendar. I follow up. I do phone calls. I do like all the things yes. like, yeah. So like, I, but like, so the year that I met you, my word for the year was like, be, like uh, was intentional. Like I was really focused Ooh, on being okay. intentional in all relationships I was creating and had. Um, mm-hmm. So really taking the time to like cultivate those relationships, make sure like when I'm with people, I'm not on my phone. I'm not distracted. Yeah. I'm really in the moment. Um, so now all my friends are like a friend of mine, before the pandemic started, she was like trying to call me and then other friends were like, maybe she's busy. And so we share each other's location. She's like, oh no, she's here. She must be with someone because Brie doesn't answer her phone when uh, she's with other people. Like my friends just know now. They know is, that. That's so, amazing. Yeah, like, oh, she must be here. And so luckily we have a shared location and she was like, I'm just going to show up. And they did. And they're like, we, we knew it. We knew you were just being, I was like, that's, I just. I'm glad you know. <laughs> well, it's like, what's the point of being with someone if you're going to sit on, their, on your phone the whole time, right? Yeah. So I'm very yeah. big on like putting the phone away. Let's be in this moment together. Whatever is on the phone will wait. I tell people like, I'm not a doctor. No one is. <laughs> no one is calling me on the weekends for anything. <laughs> right. Right. Of important. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm gonna. I'm. I feel like I am on the path to adopting that philosophy, but with my family more so mm. because now that we're away. I feel more compelled to document a lot of our life and, and share it for family and friends. Um, but then I've noticed it just, it's starting to get in the way where an activity is no longer fun or I'm no longer present in that activity. I'm worried about recording the activity. I'm worried about capturing it. And so I think that's the space I'm going to move into as far as like, well, you know, We'll, we'll, we'll send you pictures to the grandparents and right. to aunts and uncles via email, like old school. Like I might not be doing as much updating simply because I want to enjoy that time more. And I failed epically because that was something I wanted to do at the beginning of the year. And mm-hmm. so I'm just picking it up. So I won't say I failed. It's just right. it's been on pause. And, and now I'm getting back into it because we had a great weekend this weekend of being present with the kids and I was like oh I need to do more of this this needs to be a reset yes absolutely yeah we need to talk about this this tiny home on wheels because (laughs) when I met you two years ago now that we just did the math your kids were tiny tiny and now I think they're adults and it's I'm upset about it um but also like for y'all to leave Austin and like be living on this tiny home and traveling. And like, every time I see y'all's photos, I'm like, oh, just sell everything you own and just drive around. I just work remotely. Like, Can I do this? So yeah. yeah. Like tell me what sparked this before we get into today's. Well, I guess this kind of ties into today's topic. Yeah. A little um, bit of everything. Yeah. Like, so the today's topic is discovering passion and purpose after religion. And I think it's also like while living on your bus full time. Yeah. So what, what sparked that? How has that been going? And yeah. Absolutely. So I think you being young, getting married young, having kids young, there's a set expectation. There's a blueprint that you're meant to follow. So you have the kids, the dog, then you get the house. And we were following that process pretty well um, until it came to the house and we were searching for houses and did the whole process. And there was never anything that jumped out to us as a solid reason why we didn't want a house. I mean, we would look at them, there wouldn't be anything we'd find wrong, we'd go. And at one point we are, we got to the paperwork portion of it. So real commitment. And I don't know, it just sort of fizzled out every time we went to go purchase a house and we could never put our finger on it. And one day we were watching Netflix, this documentary came up, um, Expedition Happiness. And it was this couple that, got a school bus, converted it to a tiny home and traveled. And without hesitation, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do that. And I've always wanted to travel ever since I was young. And I'm a firm believer in kids don't stop or ruin your dreams. They just force you to get creative with it. Right. So that is, that was like the the highest level of creativity I could get where I could be like, yes, I'm a young I'm a young mom with young kids, but I can still accomplish this dream of mine of traveling and uh, it's going to be through school bus. And so that's how it started. That was two years ago. And 
I think the biggest thing for me was the longevity of the goal because it forced, once you have a goal that big and it takes that long, it's going to affect other aspects of your life. And so the next question was finances, right? Like you want to live on a bus, what are you going to do financially? And so we decided to go to school to become software engineers because we're like, okay, that's a big paycheck and we can work remotely. So it checks all the boxes. So for 14 months, we went to school to become software engineers, to pursue this passion. And then Corona happened. And so this, this weird thing called Corona and uh, totally derailed everything. Right. But I don't know it, I say derailed it, but it kind of goes to this philosophy that people have where you just set the goal and you go towards it, how it happens is completely irrelevant. And I think I really felt that because we plant, we changed everything. Right. And then we, and then it ended up happening in a way that we didn't plan. So, you know, yeah, Corona is, sucks on so many levels, but it ended up unlocking a lot of our ability to actually get the bus and convert it. Yeah. I think one thing that I've been really sitting with the last year while, you know, living through Corona and quarantine is like the happy rent in the plan, like the blessings in disguise, right? Yes. Like I lost my job. I was let go from my job last summer. Um, we won't get into it. I've talked about it before, but long story short, I was the only person let go. Well, mm. Mm. Um, and the only black person, not the point. Mm. The point is focus that um, I was let go from this job. And at that time I had been in Austin for four years and there was like this kind of like idea I had wanted to start my own consulting business, but you know, you'll make excuses for as long as you can right. make excuses. Mm-hmm. But it was literally the first time, like I was unemployed and, and qualified for an unemployment check. And I was like, okay, well, there's no way to fit there. I can only fail up at this point, right? Like if, right, I, if exactly. I try consulting and it doesn't work, I can maybe find a job. And if, and in the meantime, this like safety net of an unemployment check was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing consulting and was able to create my own consulting business last year. And it really started with a friend of mine reaching out. Like I had been doing speaking engagements and stuff in Austin. I had been on panels and podcasts and spoken mm-hmm. at different events, but it was different. Like I wanted this to be a sort of like career trajectory, like not a motivational speaker, but sort of like a motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a life, like a life experience speaker, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, and so my friend reached out to me. She's like, Hey, my husband, myself, and one of his co um, co-workers or co-stars on his show, um, we as three white people are giving up our space on our Instagrams to host a conversation yes. with, with three other I black remember activists. That, yeah. mm-hmm. that was so, awesome. Thank you. And so she's telling me who's going to be on it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you have these three rock star black activists and you were calling me up. She goes, yes, girl. And I was like, okay. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was like, did that panel and a panel after it. And, you know, I did a couple of paid speaking things in in Austin virtually, like because Mm -hmm. everything was online. It was like, again, like you're saying that happy accident of like, I could either be upset that the plan I had didn't work or I can believe that this is a part of the bigger plan and lean into it very, very hard. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I think it's that, that, like you're saying that lean and of like, this is where we're going to go. Like, let's see, like, let's just push that domino and see what Absolutely. else happens. And what's crazy is once you lean into it, the, the negative just kind of turns into, because it, I know you said, don't get into it and focus, but what you said rings so true to what happened to me, which I was the only one let go from my department. Mm-hmm. There was every, you know, people being let go everywhere, but I was the only one let go. And, you know, a humbling experience because I'm <laughs> cocky is not the word, but I was very confident that I would not be let go because I had the most sen- seniority in my mm. department by like two to three years. Okay. We're not like, so when it, when it was Corona and we knew people were going to be let go, I was not even remotely in the mindset of being worried. And so then when you get the call and you're like, I'm, excuse me, like, of course, this is shocking for the obvious reasons, but also when you weren't even. So yeah, that, that is, I was let go from my job. And I think I cried and I felt terrified for 15 minutes. And then afterwards, like me and my husband were like, all right, so now what? Yeah. I mean, like you, you can only give it that amount of time because it's going to keep like the train that ran you over. It's going to keep going. Like, it's mm-hmm. not going to stop to see if you're okay and pause everything. Like, it's going to keep going. So we felt the same way. Like we have to keep it pushing because this, everything's happening so fast. And we were just really blessed to be at the end of our lease 
It just so happened that month. Um, and everything was pointing in the direction of make it a, make it a positive, make it a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Watching y'all take apart that bus and read oh it. It in was, the middle of summer. In the, listen, in te- Texas summer. In Texas summer. <laughs> out here pulling things out, putting things back in. I said, okay, well, <laughs> y'all have fun. Let me know what it looks like after oh it's done. Oh my goodness. That but was I, wild. Yeah. I feel like it's it's been you and then this other person I follow on Instagram who also like started their van, their van slash bus life around the same time. I was like, what a perfect time, right? Like yeah. we can, we're all working remotely. We can figure out lives. We can right. drive. No one like driving is like such a, I love a road trip anyway, but I feel like now mm-hmm. even more people are driving just because everyone like doesn't want to fly and everything. But yeah, uh, what a time. Yeah, I, I think everyone, a lot of people are on the same wavelength because once we converted the bus and we started traveling and we realized a lot of the places that we planned on staying were closed down. I mean, national mm-hmm. parks were closed down. You had to make reservations that were months in advance. So we started to panic a little bit and um, decided to purchase the land. And when I spoke to the guy, he was like, I have been doing, been in this business for so long. And I can tell you, I've never seen land go so quickly as it's been going since April. I mean, he said he couldn't hold on to land because I think everyone was kind of like, well, (laughs) let's do this thing. Like so many people chose to just jump into what they've been putting off. And uh, it's exciting to see. I I really love hearing the stories of the blessings that came out of Corona. Truly. Okay. So we have to talk about the the beginning part of today's topic which was discovering passion and purpose after religion and I feel like that first time you and I had coffee we talked about this um because I grew up very religious I've talked about on the show my godfather's a pastor my faith is still very important to me but I don't I guess conform to organize organize religion I feel Mm -hmm. like I grew up Christian Baptist but in the north Uh, I tell people there's a difference not the same. It's a different right. level of Baptist. <laughs> There's like tears. Um, but so even like for my faith to be so important and then for me to come out and for me to mm-hmm. be in this very large supportive religious family where I started my activism, like where I was taught my whole life, like your voice matters. And so to be taught that my whole life, that religion was about relationship, right? Like it was never this like cookie cutter way of religion. Like, yes, you go to church, but you know, God doesn't just live in church. Right. And so mm-hmm. to, to be able to have a Godfather who I can talk to religion about and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this and, and talking right. to him now, like the reason I don't go to church is, you know, when 45 was president. And I guess even before that, but I don't think I really noticed it until, you know, I moved here the beginning of, of 2016 and later that year, 45 became president, didn't win the election, became president. Those are two different mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so living in the South, during that time and then also seeing how folks use religion as such a weapon like Mm -hmm. it has never been like I had listened to pastors like teach about why why being gay is bad which I'm like y'all pick and choose but that's a whole different thing right Um, yeah so for me to move here and see all of this into now you know I was going to a church at the time there was like it was not a not a like a mega church but there's like three chat um three uh branches so it was north Mm -hmm. central and south austin so if you live in austin you know austin is a very widespread city um so i went to the south location and loved that pastor there um but i realized that the north pastor wasn't preaching about gay people being wrong but like wasn't Mm -hmm. supportive of like gay people being married in his church and so Uh, from in like he wasn't my pastor right but he was like the, the founder of the church and I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. And it was, yeah. it was such a hard thing because I had built such a community in that church. But for me, like, yes, I am safe at the South location. And I had built such connection and rapport. Like I was on the welcoming committee. I was like, I was at, like, I, I got wow. really involved. Um, and so for me to be there every other Sunday, greeting people, welcoming them, welcoming them in, but then on the other end, knowing that up North, someone might not have that same experience or feel welcome. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about like creating brave space. Like I have no right to tell a person if a space is safe, but I hope that me showing up as my full authentic vulnerable self gives someone else the permission to do the same. And mm-hmm. so for me to sit here and say like, I feel brave or safe here, but that, that, that ends with me. I was like, right. I can't, I can't go here anymore. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's been a really difficult 
thing to work through. And I mean, then last year, Corona hit. So like, obviously none of us are going to church really in in person. I mean, unless it's outside. Um, But luckily there's this pastor who I love out of North Carolina who I listen to every week. Anyway, um, (laughs) so for me, it was just this really, it was like I left, it was almost like a a death, right? Like I just, I had to mourn this this feeling of go, like being so excited to go to church every Sunday like yeah grew up like I said I grew up in the church my godfather's a pastor so I was at church every Sunday growing up and then even you know as I became older and you know now being on my own living in Texas it's like even like that level of comfort was taken from me and I had already mm-hmm. moved 1800 miles away from everything I knew right so it was just like right. this other thing that I was just like I can't do this and right. so I still think I'm like trying to figure out like if I want to go back to physical church or if I like this online thing that I'm doing with this other pastor yeah Um, he he records his sermon so it's like a podcast on Monday mornings (laughs) that's perfect yeah so like I listen to him or I watch his YouTube on Sunday um but yeah it's been an interesting thing of like leaving something that was supposed to be this comfort and this thing that you hold on to like when I say I was like super religious, like I stopped talking to people who questioned my faith, right? Like there's this one person, there's this one guy who was like, God isn't real and blah, blah. I mean, me believing does not affect you at all. Like, I do not understand why you have to like gatekeep my Mm -hmm. religious experience. Like to the point, like I still don't, that was, I was in college. I still don't talk to him. We have mutual (laughs) friends. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't like, still not, I, I, not that I'm holding a grudge. I'm like, I just don't have any energy towards him. Like, right. Right. I will look right through you for the same event. (laughs) not very godly of me people I'm a work in progress but (laughs) but that's how I like I like when I tell you like I was like I would go to church Sunday morning and then be out at the gay bars at night like I was just like this like it was a whole Sunday routine for me yeah um and so to lose that is is Mm -hmm. just like another another thing that I feel like I lost and even me coming out like that didn't even like waver my faith right? right so yeah and it's it's been interesting the last few years of like you know like I said growing up in the church and knowing the Bible and knowing scripture and knowing all these things. And so when people try to preach to me about whatever X, Y, and Z and me being able to like spit back, I'm like, just because I don't quote fit what you think a religious person looks like, doesn't mean I'm not like, you don't get to tell me if I'm religious and faithful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's, sorry, when you and I first met and we were talking about that and I was like, that was just around the time, like all this was happening for me. And so I think that's also why you and I really connected. Absolutely. And that was what we talked about because the, I think it was the week before the day before that we talked, I came across the term dark night of the soul, which gave so much peace to what I was going through, which is the exact same thing you were going through is, I mean, it is a death. It is a mourning. It is a loss. I mean, you sometimes have in your head what things might cause you to lose, like you said, you know, coming out, you thought maybe there would be something there, but no, like it, it was firm until this other thing happened. And I think for me, I just, I think for me at the end of the day, hypocrisy is what will, is the core. There's so many different branches to where I went, why I left and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's hypocrisy. And that seed was kind of planted when me and my husband met because in my religion, you you don't date or marry outside of your religion. You only, um, so that being said, if you're not going to date or meet or marry anyone outside of your religion, then that you're also not going to have friends of that religion or outside of your religion. So our entire world was with each other your friends, your best friend, no matter who it was. And then we had a lot of people who were doctors. And so then you'd have that. So my whole life was with this group of people and religion. And I left, my dad passed away. My dad was my best friend. And after he died, I had a really hard time. And I started drinking. I started doing drugs. I was in a very dark place. I'm an emotional person and I love to communicate, but I struggle because when you grow up religious and conservative, you don't have all the vocabulary. You don't have all of the references. So you essentially have mad, sad, angry, happy when there's such a vast plethora of emotions and reasons why you would feel those emotions. But unfortunately, in conservatives' religions, you're not taught that. So you always go back to you need more faith, 
which is very scary and a very slippery slope because there's mental illness and, and mental illness is not something that faith can help. So, you know, I was in a, in a rough place and I didn't know how to get out. And when I met Nick, he is, I mean, two inch or, or, or like these huge gauges, um, you know, spider piercings, nose piercings, tattoos everywhere, long hair and beard. And um, I met him and we just hit it off and connected. And long story short, he basically told me like, you're a really amazing person. But when you do these certain things, like you're, you're kind of shitty. I mean, essentially, right. And like, and I had grown to like, love him and respect him so much. And he was my best friend and, and he helped me so much. And I ended up, you know, stopping. Like I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I stopped like to give myself some time to heal basically. And, um, I had that time that I thought was enough to heal. And so after that, I said, I really want to go back to church. I really want to go back to my, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. What happened was because of who he was, that was the only thing that they saw. I felt like I was a very wounded lamb coming back to the flock and they basically wanted to like throw in jail or shoot the person that found the lost sheep. You know what I mean? And so what happened was it was really crazy that um, there were, I mean, teenage boys are teenage boys. And if you treat them that way, that's how they always will be. And I feel like that's the mentality in certain religions. Um, there's so much on girls maintaining or, or controlling their sexuality. I don't even know what it is, but like, basically, if there's no loose women, there's no fornication. That's like the idea, right? And so we don't say anything to the guys but we're always putting this focus on um, the women. And so one day there was um, multiple guys who would text me like really inappropriate things. And it was a moment where I sat there and I was looking at this text message that I got from someone. And I was thinking about Nick, my husband. And I was like, never would he ever send or ask me this. What am I to do? This person who clearly doesn't respect me, my body, or, or me as a person, I would be fully allowed to pursue a relationship with this person. There would be no issues. We would be okay with it, and everything would be fine because he's in the religion, right? However, someone who does do all those things, you know, makes me a better person, makes me realize that I'm capable of so much more, but because he's not a part of the religion I need to. So there were there, that was the first time where I really felt like, hmm, this is odd. This is not what I expected would happen. And kind of started the rift and the rabbit hole of hypocrisy that I ended up finding. And um, yeah, that, that was, that was my start in it. You know, that was, <laughs> of course, we could also say 45 as well, because that's always uh, amazing to see how religion worked that situation. But um, yeah, that's what it was for me. I, I feel like a religious person or someone, I should be respected by someone that I would be allowed to date. And at the end of the day, I don't think religion is a measure of that. I think a good person is a good person and good people um, or, or and, and bad people are bad people and, and they come in every walk of life. Hmm. I have so much I need to say. Um, I, I, the, the control aspect of organized religion baffles me. Yeah. And I think what I think that also gets me all the time is like, as a country, we quote, have a separation of church and state. And yet how much religion plays into the laws we have, the way things run. I mean, Absolutely. we see this right now with like abortion bills and gay marriage mm -hmm. and all these things like I tell people all the time like politics are personal no matter what people say right like mm -hmm. it's it's business is personal right like all these different things and like you make decisions based off of who you are and what you believe right. so if you believe all these things in your mind it, they're going to feed into the work that you do yes um so that's number one with politics and religion and that sort of scape of it but then also like to hear how everyone 
and I think this happens in a lot of religions, like people want you to come to church or, or whatever worshiping space you're in, but there's like, you have to check all these boxes first, right? Like you mm-hmm. have to look a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way. Um, and you are welcome as long as you do, you do that. Um, and there's a time limit on it too. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can come looking this way, but after the, the third time you visit us, we expect you to start trimming and shaving and, th- you know, mm-hmm. so it's, welcome until (laughs) yeah you have to look at yeah you have to be clean cut and wear this and and I you know as a person who grew up Christian I always say like I don't know what bible the rest of y'all are reading but the Jesus in this bible was first of all not white yeah (laughs) secondly um the people Jesus hung out with are the people that y'all are trying to constantly great like Mm -hmm. jesus hung out with the sex workers and the people experiencing homelessness and you know all these different sort of folks and so for people to to literally just have seen how the bible and christianity have been so like flipped and my Mm -hmm. friend aiden was on the show and he's episode two he's in seminary and so Mm -hmm. we talk about this all the time of like the way that the bible is ridiculously translated (laughs) and how it's such an old text um Mm -hmm. but i think about that often too of what what the expectations people have for you um when you do show up to a church or what you're supposed to look like or talk like or act like in order to be accepted into that space so it's and and when you when you were saying like you volunteered and it was so much a part of your life that was the same with me and when I kind of lost that and I I So the way that I tried to approach it was like a breakup, honestly. And I, and what I saw, because the group of people that I hung out with, I was the youngest. So everyone was older than me by a few years. And so I saw a lot of them leave. And what ended up happening is they would leave and then immediately jump into another religion or Mm. jump into another church. And for me, that was always the most baffling thing because I was like, why leave? Like, just stay there because we've learned how bad all the other ones are. So why even leave if you're going to just jump? And so I wanted some time, like I wanted some me time between uh, breakups because I was like, I don't even know where I want to go. You leave something and the thought is immediately, okay, where am I going? But in this situation, leaving religion or, or going through something very difficult like that, you just need time to stop and process that you left. Like, just take in the fact that, oh, shit, (laughs) like, it's about to get crazy. And so that's what I did for about six to eight months. I actively just sat my butt in my own lane and learned. And um, going into the purpose after religion, right now, I feel my purpose is growth. I have this feeling of potential I have and we talked about this when we were were having drinks of I feel like a mad person because I feel like I have all this to give but nowhere to put it because I haven't been taught how to put it anywhere other than the activities of the church so that's why um, it was really cool speaking to you because you you gave me all these connections of people who are doing good and people that could connect me with because um, our religion we volunteer a lot so uh, or I did. I keep including myself, which is still crazy that that terminology, but um, 70 hours a month, 50 hours a month. Um, and then, you know, you could do less than that, but that's kind of the goals they, they wanted. And so now you have someone who's done all this volunteer time with church activities. Now, what do I do? And I think that's the reason why people jump into a different church so quickly, because if you've made cookies for the bake sa- church bake sale every single month, like you need to go put that energy elsewhere. So um, if anything, the biggest thing for me to share with people, because I'm still in it, still going through it, still learning. The only thing that I feel confident enough to share for other people is that finding your purpose after religion truly needs to start with you comprehending and sitting with the fact that you left. And then once you do that, then go from there. But you have to have that pause. Yeah, it's almost like breaking up with one person and jumping into another relationship. Absolutely. Just so you don't have to do that work, right? Like, yeah, it's scary. It's, it's so it's uh, yeah, it's still like 
like I said, for me to have like that sort of like tumultuous feeling with religion here, but even still, like when I go home to visit, like I still go to church, but for me, it's just like, it's such a different relationship now, right? Like yeah. I, I go to my childhood church and still feel like this sense of like, I don't belong, which is such a wild feeling to have. Like, absolutely. But this is literally my family church. Like, why am I having this feeling? And so I was sitting with that a couple of months ago. And I was like, I'm still grieving from this experience I had, right? Like it's it's this this sort of societal push of like, you don't belong here. And so mm-hmm. me getting out of that space of like, no, I do belong here. Um, being, a, I, for me, it was like relearning what religion means. And so like, mm-hmm. it's been like a baby step sort of situation back in for me. But yeah, and then, you know, you talk to folks who grew up in very conservative religions who have to unlearn control and mm-hmm. um, sort of like punish the place of a woman too. Yeah, up <laughs> the, the the size. <laughs> I can't. Yes. I just felt that one. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, because I'm just like I'm. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. You know, I have to. I have a question mm-hmm. for you based on that because this is truly something that I'm struggling with right now. I'm not tied to. I, I feel I'm not a part of any religion, but the one that I know most obviously is Christianity. How do you sit with that? You kind of touched on it. The difference, like how are. I don't, it's going to sound like an aggressive question. It's not. How are you okay with knowing that? the Christians at your church love you and, and, you know, some accept you and everything, but you could throw a rock at another church that doesn't, how is there such a difference on some, Mm -hmm. that is so huge. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not something that, Oh, we wear slacks and we wear jeans that we're talking about something that is fundamental Mm -hmm. to the belief. How is it so different in different buildings? Yeah. Um, so the the pastor I mentioned that I love out of North Carolina, his name is Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church. Not an ad, but I just love him. Um, I, I really do. I don't know when I first discovered him, but it's been like life changing. Anyway, um, he was preaching like a month ago and I was listening to a thing and it, it had to do with you, what you said before, like what you wear to church. Right. And so he like was telling this story about this one woman who like wasn't coming like quote dressed appropriately and so the first week they said something to her the second week she came back they go didn't we tell you about this the third week pastor was like you need to go home and like talk to god and figure out what, you know what 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 happens the last the fourth week she comes back and he goes didn't i tell you to talk to god about this and the woman said i did but he said he's never been to your church before oh oh and so for me it's it's that control thing of like one you have people who get in these positions of power, pastor, uh-huh. deacon, usher, like people who get these titles who then yeah. feel like they have the right to tell you mm-hmm. what you should do and look like and act right. like. And and I always laugh because like, not that I'm the black sheep of my family. I just don't accept things that say at face value. Like I question, yeah. I've questioned everything my whole life. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of fell into line, but then also like I, I wanted answers. Like I was the queen of answers. Like so much that, that my mom bought me an encyclopedia kit when I was young. Like I just kept <gasps> asking questions. Like, just look it up um, here. This is wow. yours. Um, so for me, like organized religion didn't work for me because I always had mm. questions, which growing up with the godfather, who's a pastor, who would allow us to ask questions. And, you know, while he wanted us like his children and, and me in church every week, um, he was like, you're also like welcome to look into other things. Like maybe your faith is something else. Like, I just want you to have some, some sort of faith. Right. Uh, so like that was, that was super mm, big in my yeah, life. Yeah. That's huge. But he's one of seven and uh, three or four of his brothers are pastors. Mm. And so just I have this one uncle, I'm not going to name his name, but I have this one uncle who every time he preaches, preaches about hate to the gay community. Every mm, single time wow. he would do a guest preaching to the point that like one time I was sitting in church and my godmother was like, you need to leave. And I'm like, why should Because your face looks like you're about to jump into the pulpit and I need you to not do that during church today. Because at this point, like I wasn't out, but everyone, like my best friend, John, who's been on the show before, we've been friends since I was 12. John came out his senior year of high school, like I've also like been an ally to the gay community since I was super young. Yeah. Um, I was raised in a family like that was in the civil rights movements. So, like we're really big on like activism and, and making the world super equitable for everyone. So all that to be said is like, 
one, my face talks before I do. And two, everyone knows like, I don't play. So for me, that was like a big, that, that was probably my first like really big wake up call. And I was like in my early twenties of, mm. of, and then talking to other pastors and, and religious people of like, there's a thing, like when you become a pastor, um, you learn that like, if you preach hate, that sermon isn't blessed. And so like, I would sit during these sermons about this isn't God. Like, I yeah. would just know like this, you, what you're saying that that is his humanity coming through. That's not his godliness. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you may see you, he may see himself as a vessel. I see him as someone pretending to be a vessel. Right. And so for me, it's been like, how am I separating the message that God is trying to get through versus the message that this man is trying to get through mm-hmm. this man who claims to be a man of God and yet is preaching hate, which for me, I know that is that they can't coexist at the same time. Right. And so I think it's, it's been me really learning to listen for my God, Jesus, whoever you believe in. Um, And when I say I'm religious, like I believe in like Jesus who would be out here at the gay bars, not the, like, not the fire and brimstone God. That's, that's how I work my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, yeah, it's been like, for me, religion has taught me that it is about the relationship you hold with whoever you believe in yeah. is the first religion. I mean, the first relationship. And then the rela- the religion part of it, or organized religion is about the relationship you have with their higher power. And then you get to be in community with other people who also believe. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, uh, that's another relationship you can have, but you don't need to have communal relationship in order to worship and be in relationship with your higher power. Okay. So I think that's how I've worked it out in my brain mm-hmm. of like, me and what I believe is good enough. My religion with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus is mine and no one gets to tell me what it looks like or if it's appropriate or if it's okay. Just like it is not my job to judge anybody else's. And so I think I'm just like really like a horse with, <laughs> with blinders on of, and, yeah. and I hold my faith to what I believe it is. And I don't look for acceptance from other people, right? Like, yeah, I, this is what I believe and what works for me, but someone else might be like, this is wrong. I'm like, you are allowed to have your opinion. I just don't care to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's, I really love that you say that uh, because one of the people that I really respect, um, Brene Brown, she, I was always confused by her. Right. So it wasn't until recently that she kind of explained the reason why she continues to go to church with the beliefs that she has. And it was because of that, the community to, to be, around people that believe and to keep her aware of kind of the pitfalls right so it's it's the benefit of being around people who believe the way that you do but also to see the flaws within that as well um because she's actively pursuing association with different people that you know may challenge her that she may not fully agree with and that's a part of her spiritual practice. Like that's a part of what she does. Um, so one thing with what you said that I also found interesting is I did a couple of interviews with women and the women uh, about religion, like, you know, going through that process. And the thing that I found is the ones that are, don't care what other people think that you mentioned are the ones that have had that from the beginning that have always kind of been like that or they were women who came into the church after their mid to late twenties. So they were, uh, and I'm talking specifically about my religion um, because it's, it's very conservative. So I think it's interesting that women who came in, who had like already developed their personalities, they're, you know, 20 something years old, they are this way. They can separate the religion from themselves. Whereas me and a lot of people like me who grew up in the religion, there's no separation. Like when you talk bad about my religion, I, like it crushes me because we are so intertwined. And I think that's the caution for people who are trying to find religion after purpose, kind of realizing like, did you grow up in this religion? Because there's a different set of homework that you're going to need to do because it's going to be some real uprooting um, that goes beyond just like, oh, we shouldn't say that to people. It goes like, the way I think about a group of people is fundamentally flawed because of what you, what did you say? The, the manness that got into the religion, the humanity mm-hmm. that was placed into the religion. So the, the next thing that I went through, it was the dark night of the soul and then going through some self-awareness. 
really understanding and knowing what what is my opinion about the gay community like genuinely like what is Kayla's opinion about the because my entire life I've been told what to think about them and the community and um what's crazy is you form these strong opinions when you don't know anything you have no idea it reminds me of that that one time um 45 talked about bringing an ID to the grocery store to get like milk. So it's something where like, you're so disconnected from something, but you feel the need to make a rule about it. It's so absurd. Like, you know, nothing about the gay community, but you have instilled all of these different things to your people about them. And you haven't even bothered to say, Hey, how you doing? Like to, you know, so that um, was really cool going through some things and really just being like, what do I truly feel about this how do I feel about sex before marriage I feel like it's great to say that but you should probably teach your daughter a little bit about Mm -hmm. her body before you say hey don't do any sex stuff until your husband and now what's going to happen her husband is going to dominate her sexually because she has no idea what's going on and you know uh, sometimes boys like experiment and know a lot more without having sex before marriage, simply because that's there. They have that freedom uh, right. a bit more to do so. But yeah, it's just things like that, like really understanding what are your true opinions about this outside of what your religion has told you. Mm, yeah, I've, I've, mm, I have so many feelings. Um, all the feels, all the feelings, and I think like like I said, I was able to grow up in in a church that was very, I, I never felt like my church was judgy, right? Like yeah. we weren't like, we went to church in jeans. We went to church in, you know, whatever, however you showed up to church was how you showed up to church. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think that was always a different thing too, because like we'd go to other churches and like, they would give us looks. I'm like, I'm not, what I wear does not depict my faith right like it's just for me it was just like control and shame Mm -hmm. and so for me not to grow up in a church that taught control and shame so when I grew up and was able to like be out on my own and look for a church like I know that I don't have to essentially like settle for a thing that I settle for a place that's going to make me feel badly about myself because I've had the experience of being at a church that was so accepting and around people who were very accepting um like we had openly gay people who came to my church growing up. Like, mm-hmm. and so for me to like be in, in those, in that situation and being from a supportive family and a family that, that is really open mm-hmm. and wasn't shameful. Um, I see, I think is also, what made my religious experience um, super open and not mm-hmm. a thing that I've had to heal from. And I tell people like, I'm not healing from religion. I'm healing from the people in church. Yeah. right like separation yeah like I like the things my faith was things that I learned but the 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 people who perpetuate shame Mm -hmm. religion didn't teach me shame people did yeah and and I think that's a that's a different thing too like and yeah like there's stuff in the bible that people use but it's also like first of all these people are trend loosely and usually wrongly translating this text right but that's their humanity, like I said before. So I think that's what's kind of made my religious experience different from a lot of other people's of like, I can lean heavily into my faith and know that like, you know, a lot of people like, how do you have, how do you have proof? I'm like, I don't have proof. It's faith, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I believe that everything happens for a reason, divine intervention, all these different things. And again, that's what I believe in. Like, but I also believe in like reincarnation and spirit Mm -hmm. guides. Like I believe in all these different things. Um, and like, but for me, it's been able to like puzzle piece together what my religion yeah, and absolutely. my, and my experiences have been. And you don't get to tell me what they are. And, and people who are like, well, that's like witchcraft and things. I'm like, well, if you're telling me everything comes from the same person and it's all tied together, then this is okay too. Right. And, and I want us as a planet to get to that point where whatever, whichever one makes you a better human let's do that one. Mm -hmm. If being a Buddhist makes you a better person, if being a Christian truly makes you not your class, not your, your immediate group of people better, you as an individual, 
then I'm all for it. And I think that's kind of the tiptoe. This is the first time that I've kind of openly spoken on a, a platform that's not myself about my religious journey, simply because I feel like the assumption is when you leave a religion and you don't go into another one, or you don't actively pursue that, that you are immediately an atheist, or you, you there's some extreme views that are attached to you. And mm-hmm. all I'm saying, if, if someone came up to me and was like, hey, I've, I've heard some things about your religion, and I, and I want to try it out, and, and or the religion you're in, I'm all for that. I just got self-aware enough to know that it was no longer making me a better person. I was catty. I was gossipy. I talk about everybody up (laughs) under the sun. And I was like, what is, this is not, I am not my best self. Mm. And yet I am doing all of the things. And that's what you have to keep in mind too, where we get almost this country club mentality of our church, where we're just doing actions. We're not really kind of taking it in and, and, you know, living that passion filled life. It's just the day to day. We have to keep from that because what happens is it no longer becomes effective and you can lose that shield. Like whatever was helping you, the reason why you are so comfortable and that you believe in your faith that can fade if you're treating it like an everyday task or like Mm -hmm. a weekly task. So I just really want people to be a hundred percent comfortable and confident like you are when you go and know like this is what I have put together to strengthen my faith. And I don't put that on anyone. You don't have to come fly with me, You, but I will respect you in any way you go. And I think that mutual respect is what baffles me so much about the different religions. Because religion is, I mean, religion has more to do with ge- geography Mm-hmm. If you think about it, me, you, same bloodline, same DNA, you throw us across to a completely different country. What we're just going to happenstance upon the beliefs that we have now? No, we would have a completely different set of them. Yeah. We, we wouldn't even have heard of some of the things that we've read or pursued if we were on a different side of the country, which is another reason why I, I kind of was like, this is very tunnel vision for me. Mm-hmm. I, I want to travel. And the more that I have that passion of traveling, the more you run into people who don't look like, speak like you and have different fairy tales. Like, just think about that. There are different fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? The things that we've accepted as fiction and that children grow up in, but what do they all have in common? They all have those same core principles in the story right? Mm -hmm. Like it might be, you might straight out the characters, but one fairy tale on another part of the earth teaches another kid the same thing. Like Cinderella in different places have those moral stories. So basically what I'm just saying is like people, there's too much evidence to the contrary. There's happily Mm -hmm. married gay couples. There's happily married straight couples. There's, there's happy single parent homes. We have too many, too much evidence of different things working to say this is the only way to do it right right I think there's just thing, too much one thing that always gets me I, I watch a lot of criminal minds rewatches don't ask love me. that show one of my faves but yeah. during one episode um there was this one guy who was a, was a suspect who um I think was I can't remember what religion he was but he was reading the Quran mm-hmm. and listening to him talk about that and I was like it is eerily similar to every other religion you hear. And yet the way that that specific religion is often seen as like too extremist or all these different yes. things. And I'm like, have y'all read Christianity? Like oh. <laughs> the, the rules that go into, like for me, it's always just like that us versus them mentality in religion. Yeah. Whereas like, if you look at like Buddhism and all these other different, like very, like Judaism, one of the most accepting and mm-hmm. <laughs> liberating religions. Yeah. And yet even that was weaponized against people, right? Like we have mm-hmm. the, the whole freaking Holocaust is about people who are Jewish. And yet Judaism is about like love and connecting with the earth and like just all these different things. Like there's a day where they just worship like trees. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> just the way that people can use fear and weaponize hate in order to get their point across is always an interesting yeah. thing too. So I'm like, I have a friend who's Jewish and ever so often, like I'll do um, some Jewish holidays with them. And I'm just like, 
like so great <laughs> so great like what a what a time just to be able to like right? have have freedom but then you know we have people who are literal nazis in our country white yeah. supremacists like all these different things i'm just like the fact that like christianity has become like the the blueprint or like the the default mm-hmm. it's such like a wild thing for me to think about too so yeah, yeah. that's also why i'm like I, there was once like when I first moved here and people would ask like if I'm religious and I think like, I have a faith and I believe in X like yeah. I feel like I had to like pick it apart for people mm-hmm. because identifying as a Christian in the south for me was embarrassing it was yeah. this thing that made me feel like I am perpetuating the same hate that other people are perpetuating and that's not what I'm doing at all like my mm-hmm. faith yes while it guides me it does not give me the right to be a bully or right. to be hateful um, so I think that's also a thing I sit with too. I think it it comes naturally too. Like I have people who um, on my timeline that go to, they are the most adorable. Like I absolutely love them and their family and they're just the kindest people. And it is for them. It is truly a blessing and truly something that makes their them better. That makes, and I love that. And I just truly wish that we could see the beauty in each other's religions because it really is. And if you, the funny thing is, okay, I watched the show Ancient Aliens and as a religious person, that show will mess you up because you realize it's the same story told Mm. 300 different ways. That, That is how I can sum up religion based on me watching Ancient Aliens because you read about these, um, you know, and I'm very ignorant to other religions books, but they'll, they'll open a text and there'll be a passage that I'm thinking of a scripture that I'm like, that is almost verbatim. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, first Corinthians or, and, and that happens so much. And I, and I, once you look at these different religions or, and you don't even have to, if you relieve a religion, look for any, uh, another one, but finding that purpose, you might stumble into other ones. Check, look at it with, try to find the beauty like act what is it the um reticular activator like when you're actively trying to look for something the car that you want then all of a sudden you see that car everywhere like mm. if you say i'm gonna find the beauty in this religion and you start studying it it'll it'll just pop out at you it, right. and same with people i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the beauty in people it'll jump out to you but if you know how every gay person you meet is going to be and how every black person you meet is going to be and you don't even allow them to say hello I these are my interests this is what I believe and that might be why you feel like you have to explain it so much whenever you say I'm religious but because it makes it easier for the other people to digest you what box Mm -hmm. can I put you in okay so you're not so you don't go to church oh you're in this box and it's like whoa whoa whoa. don't put (laughs) me in that box because I'm a spiritual person I just uh you know figuring it out growing piecing it together Mm. well it has been such a joy to talk to you i will be sure to link everything in the show notes um but at the end of every show i like to do sort of palate cleanser by asking the question it's a two part so you get to decide what part you want to answer okay what is the best advice you were ever given or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self um so younger self i'll do that uh um, when, when you make it your mission to improve every day, you break free from the fear of not being enough. And that's what I tell myself currently. And that's what I would tell younger me. Cause I have very low self-confidence and I was very scared all the time to do anything. And knowing every day when I wake up now that I'm going to be a better version than yesterday relieves me of that fear. Like mm. I pursue everything so passionately now. And it's so free and I love it. And I, I don't know. I just want everyone to feel this way. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> to, to be free, to, to be spiritual and love God and love creation and not be bogged down by the extra weight of all the, all the man-made stuff. Mm. So yeah, that was what I say. Improve every day. You'll break free from the fear of not being enough. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. 
Send me an email at the tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the tea with Brie podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or forget your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye.